God bless you and welcome to the Solution Radio Show. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Greg Backus, your host. Jesus Christ is the solution for all the situations you and I might find ourselves in. He is God's solution for all mankind, for all time. He stated in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ, He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the one who makes a difference. He made a difference in people's lives 2,000 years ago when He lived and walked among people. And He makes a difference today because He was raised from the dead and He is seated at God's right hand in the heavenlies. I trust that Christ Jesus makes a difference in your life today, that you see the tremendous love that God has for you, that you come to have a deeper and more full relationship with God as your Heavenly Father, that you see your purpose in life is far above the day-to-day circumstances of life. God's love for you, it knows no bounds. Today we will hear some wonderful music and read some of the Bible together regarding the depth of God's love. Our interview segment is with Wayne Cuna. Wayne is the founder of Soul Priority, an organization designed to teach business leaders how to repurpose their careers through the skills of shepherd leadership. It's an interview I believe you will definitely enjoy. Let's start off with... Love is Forever by John Kano. People come and go Places change with time Things that now are new Will one day lose their shine The headlines in the news Each day we leave behind The glory of this world Will lose its crown in time But love won't ever change Love is forever Love will stay the same Love is forever Love will always be Love won't fade away, love will always shine Love is forever The fashions and the trends Go in and out of style The new improved and cool Will only last a while The customs and events Become history tomorrow The rich and poor alike Leave behind what they have borrowed But love won't ever change Love is forever Love will stay the same Love will always be Love won't 
fade away, love will always shine. Love is forever. No love won't ever change. Love is forever. Love will stay the same. Love is forever. Love will always be. Love won't fade away. Love will always shine. The mystery. Open up your eyes. Do all things with love. Is it not love that always will abide? Reach out your tender hand. The depth of love, the love that God has for mankind, begins to be found in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. If you have your Bible handy, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. It says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. The creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who put the stars, the planets, the moons in motion, the one who designed all of creation that our eyes can see. He formed man out of the dust of the ground, and then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and that man then became a living soul. Genesis chapter 1, let's read verses 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them, and God blessed them. God's image is eternal life spirit. His image is light, and his image is love. God is spirit, it says that in the Gospel of John. God is light, and God is love. It states that in 1 John. Well, the Creator took who He is and placed it inside of man, which He formed from the dust of the ground. Why would the Creator of the heavens and the earth do that? Because He is love. How deep is that love? The love of God, it has no end. The love of God it has no limit. It is that love of the Creator of the heavens and the earth that resides within God's people today. Mankind didn't evolve from amoebas to fish to monkeys and finally to humans, as some teach. 
To believe that would require your eyes to be blinded by the evil one. That's the only way that that could be believed. Evolution leads to the end of placing no value on human life. It also results in no purpose for that life. The belief in evolution is a false religion where the intellect of man, and this is an intellect that supposedly came from fish and monkeys, is elevated above the Word of God. Your life is valuable. Your life has purpose. After the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, because of their disobedience to God's Word, mankind required a Redeemer that could set back in order what had been lost. What was it that was lost? What was it that died that day in the Garden? Adam and Eve, they lost the image of God. They lost spirit. They lost a relationship with the Creator of the heavens and the earth. Thankfully, though, God had a plan. That plan included sending His Son, a perfect man, to purchase back mankind from the evil one. The payment required was perfection. All man-made religions require the works of an imperfect man to try and gain approval before God with their imperfect works. It's a total waste of time. Without God's perfect sacrifice found in Jesus Christ, mankind falls woefully short of the perfection required to stand before the presence of a holy and a perfect and a loving God. Despite Adam's disobedience, God loves. Look at John chapter 3. Uh, we'll read here verses 14 through 17. Verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now before we read any further here in the Gospel of John, let's look at the record in Numbers in the Old Testament where Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, where it's referring to this here in, in the Gospel of John. Numbers chapter 21 verses 4 through 9. And they, the Israelites, they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. Verse 5. And the people spoke against God and against Moses, saying, Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul, it loathes this light bread. And the Lord sent, verse 6, fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much of the people of Israel died. Now here in this verse 6, it's important for us to realize here that God is not the one who sent the serpents. It's a figure of speech called an idiom of permission. The Israelites, by way of their sin, walked out from under the protection of God. Verse 7, Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. 
Verse 8, And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looks upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when that man beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Here in the wilderness, if any of the Israelites were bitten by the serpents, all they had to do to not die was to look to the serpent of brass that Moses had put on a pole so that all could see. Well, let's continue back here in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 15. It says that whosoever believes in him, in Jesus Christ, should not perish, but have eternal life. When the Israelites, when they were bitten by the serpents in the wilderness, they would die if they did not look to the brass serpent on the pole that Moses had set up at God's direction. Today, people perish. They die without God and without hope if they fail to believe in God's solution to the predicament that came upon mankind through Adam's disobedience, which resulted in separation from God, which is death. The solution, the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as that brass serpent was the solution in the desert for the children of Israel who were bitten by serpents, in order that they not die, all they had to do was to look at the brass serpent that Moses had put on a pole by the direction of God. Today, all that people have to do is look to God's solution, the Lord Jesus Christ, confess Him as Lord, believe God raised Him from the dead, and you shall be saved. Let's go back to the Gospel of John, chapter 3 still is where we are. Uh, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. To love is to give. God so loved that he gave his Son. It didn't cost you anything. It didn't cost me anything. We didn't give anything to cause God to send His Son. God gave because He loves. Verse 17, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. So often, those that don't know God think that He did send His Son to condemn the world. Well, he didn't. He sent his son so that the world could be saved. So that the world, so that people, you and I, could have eternal life. If we look at the book of Romans, chapter 5, we'll start in verse 1. We'll see some tremendous truth here regarding God's love for people and his mercy and his grace. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, being justified, and to be justified is to be legally declared righteous in the sight of God, 
So therefore, being justified by faith or by believing, by believing what? By believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also, verse 2, we have access by faith or believing into this grace wherein we stand. Today we are able to stand in the grace of God because we have access into God's grace, into his presence, into his promises that he has given us through Christ. And we are to rejoice in hope of the glory of God. What is the great hope of the glory of God? It's the return of his Son, which literally could happen at any moment. Let's continue in Romans 5, verse 3. And not only so, but we glory or we boast in tribulations. And these tribulations here is referring to the pressures of this life. It's not that we're glorying in the tribulation or the pressure in the sense of saying, Lord, give me more pressure. No, we are glorying or boasting in the hope of the glory of God in the midst of the pressures of this life. Knowing, continuing here in verse 3, knowing that tribulation, the pressures of this life, work patience. And the only way they could ever work patience is by glorying in the hope of the glory of God, by boasting, by talking about, by meditating on, by thinking the great truths of God's word and the greatness of what he's done for us through Jesus Christ and what we have to look forward to in the return of his son. Back in Romans 5 verse 4, and patience experience. That word experience there is literally approving of God's word. In other words, you see the deliverance in the situation as God has promised. And experience hope. As you see God work, it just confirms to you even more that God's word is true and that God is love and that God cares about you and that you will absolutely not perish, but rather you have eternal life. Verse 5, And hope makes us not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given unto us. When you know God loves you, when you know your full redemption at the return of Jesus Christ draws near, when you know your life has value and purpose because of the accomplished work of Jesus Christ in restoring your relationship with the Creator of the heavens and the earth, then you are not ashamed. Not only are you not ashamed of who God is and who you are as His child, you also love with the love of God because that love has been poured out into your heart by the Holy Spirit which was given to you in the new birth when you believed in your heart that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and confessed him as Lord of your life. What an awesome, wonderful God we've got. Let's continue here in verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. 
Why were we without strength? Why were we helpless to help ourselves? Why couldn't we pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, our own good works, to stand approved before God? It was impossible, because our very nature received from Adam separated us from the one true God. According to God's divinely appointed time, Christ died in place of the ungodly. That was you and me. That's love. Verse 7, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. Seldom will one die for another. Well, it happens in war. It may happen to a bodyguard for a dignitary. But those deaths, they are the deaths of imperfect men for other imperfect men. Those deaths do not result in the giving of eternal life. Verse 8, But God commended, or He gave proof, or He displayed His love towards you and I, towards the world, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died in place of us. While we were still being disobedient and rejecting the love of the Father, Christ died in place of us. What love? Verse 9, Much more then, being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. We are saved from the future wrath of God as detailed in the book of Revelation. The fulfillment of that wrath, it culminates in eternal separation from God, resulting in eternal death. Outside of Jesus Christ, that is what awaits those who refuse to accept God's love in the giving of His Son. Not a very pleasant outcome. Verse 10, For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. When we were enemies, we were reconciled. We were brought back into a relationship with God. How? How did that happen? Because of God's love, because of the love the Lord Jesus Christ had not only for His Father, but for you and I, by the giving of His life, by the death of His Son, we are saved eternally by His life. Verse 11 in Romans 5, And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement or the, the reconciliation. We rejoice in God. We boast in God because we have received Holy Spirit resulting in sonship and eternal life. What love the Father has displayed toward you and I. Second Corinthians chapter 5, let's look at verses 14 and 15. For the love of Christ constrains us. The love of Christ, it, it tugs on our heart. Because we thus judge that if one, Jesus Christ, died for all, then we're all dead, or then all died. Verse 15. And that he died for all, for you and I, that they, you and I, which live, 
should not henceforth live unto ourselves, but unto him, Jesus Christ, which died in place of us and rose again. Here again in Corinthians is displayed the great love the Father has for each of us. It takes tremendous love to willingly give your life for another. That is what Jesus Christ did. He gave his life for you. We in turn now were to to live the love which the Father has shed abroad in our hearts and to no longer live for ourselves. My life, my life is not all about me. Your life is not all about you. We've been given life, eternal life, by way of the Spirit of God so that we can now live for Him. Your life, it has a purpose that far supersedes the day-to-day activity of those that do not know God, which we see all around. Within the day-to-day activity, we are to live for Him. We are to live a life of love, speaking God's Word that will edify and build others up. Within each of our spheres of influence, we reach others with the love of God by ministering to the need as our Heavenly Father works within us. It's not a haphazard life. It's a joy-filled life with purpose. Look in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened or made alive us together with Christ, by grace you are saved. It says here that God is rich in mercy. He has an abundance of mercy on account of His great love with which He loves us. God loves each of us and knows each of us individually as his child. And it says, even when we were dead in sins, he made us alive in Christ. We have been saved by his grace and love. It's not of our own works. It's not of our intellect. It's not of anything that you or I could have ever done or not done. It's only through the accomplished work of Jesus Christ and it's been freely given because of God's love. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are His workmanship, or His masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before prepared that we should walk in them. God has freely given each of us His Spirit. We now freely give to a dying world the words of life, and we do the good works our Father has prepared for each of us to perform. It all started back in the beginning in Genesis, in the garden with Adam and Eve. The Creator loved, and He made man. Things got a little messed up when Adam disobeyed God, but God had a plan, the plan, man's Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that He has come, Jesus Christ, and we have believed, it's our turn to love with the love which God has shed abroad in the hearts of each of us. The love of God, it casts out all fear. 
Therefore, we should fearlessly love others. Live your calling in Christ. For those of us that are God's children, there really is no other option. It's a privilege. It's a mighty calling to live your life in light of who God is and in light of what He has made you to be in Christ. Look at 1 John chapter 3. We'll close here. Uh, verses 1 and 2. Behold, take a look at what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knows us not, because it knew him not. Verse 2. Beloved, now, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. In the fullness of times, the splendid glory of God's love, it will manifest itself with the return of Jesus Christ. He's coming back, and when he does, we know that we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is.
hardly speak peace so unexplainable I I can hardly think as you call Our guest today is Wayne Kuna. Wayne had a 26-year career in the global toy industry where he holds over 50 patents. He has a master's degree from the Moody Bible Institute, and for eight years he served as the senior pastor at Oak Community Church in Hinsdale, Illinois. Currently, Wayne is the founder of Soul Priority, an organization designed to teach business leaders how to repurpose their careers through the skills of shepherd leadership. I'd like to welcome Wayne Kuna to the Solution Radio Show. Welcome, Wayne. Hi, Greg. How are you doing? Great. It's great to have you here today. It's good to be here. Thank you. Can you tell us about your background and when you first became a Christian? Well, basically, I'm a Chicago boy, so I haven't gotten too far from home. Um, the Christian experience didn't really happen until I was a little bit older. I had already been working in the workplace um, at, uh, in the toy business. I had working for a company called Marvin Glass and Associates as a designer. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of you who are old enough would realize it's one of the first places there was a mass shooting. Mm -hmm. And uh, that impacted uh, all of our lives. But a, a fellow at that company shortly after the shooting came to Christ. I managed to escape the shooting because a young woman, a uh, young designer, uh, said, oh, my God, he's got a real gun. So I just didn't open the door and saved my life. That was the last thing she said. Wow. She saved my life. Uh, two years went by uh, and basically spiraled into kind of a paranoia and OCD thinking. I just couldn't stop my brain from thinking. And uh, at a place where I thought I was really going to lose my mind, I remember what this young, this guy had said at work about giving your, your life to Christ. And I desperately just reached out to Christ 
had a major experience with the holiness of God, scared me really a lot. Mm -hmm. And just about the time I thought it would be a very bad experience, uh, I just sensed Christ's love and blood wash over me and and realized that uh, he had taken away my sins. And, and I was I was a different person. Uh, he healed me of the paranoia almost immediately. Mm-hmm. I slept like a baby. I hadn't been sleeping in at least a week. So it was a pretty significant experience. Wow, yeah, that's a pretty dramatic circumstance to uh, be confronted with in the workplace and then, uh, you know, turn your life over to Christ and get the peace that's needed. And now, you were a business leader in the global toy industry, like you said, and and when you first accepted Christ, in that situation, what for you was the most challenging aspect of living for God in the workplace? You know, I, I actually came to Christ the same week I was offered a partnership at the meet, at this company, and um, it happened right away. Uh, shortly, I don't think the ink was dry on the partnership agreement when I was called into the office by the managing partner, who was, uh, I guess I'd describe him as an atheist with a Jewish background. He sat me down and he said, so Wayne, I understand you're religious now. And I, I said, I don't know, I guess. I hadn't thought about it, you know. And and, and he said, well, what's this going to mean? Mm-hmm. And I realized that he uh, immediately had a sense that my faith was going to impact the business somehow. So that was the first the first uh, uh, probably evidence that, that there was going to be some kind of interaction between, you know, my day-to-day work as a leader in this company and my faith. That probably was the the biggest thing. Some of the biggest changes was just or ch- uh, challenges was just being consistent. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to be consistent. I didn't want to be a hypocrite. I didn't want to be fake or phony. I just wanted to be consistent. I knew I wouldn't be perfect, but I just wanted to be consistent. So that was a that was one of the the big things. Secondly, um, I wanted to have my faith take priority over work. You know, and and I had a couple, uh, only fortunately, just a couple of situations where you know I had to sit down with my partners and say, you know, I understand why you're doing this, I don't feel comfortable with this, and you know, if you go ahead and do it, I I just need to stop being your partner. That only happened only like really once, mm-hmm. and uh, God graciously, you know, gave me a Jericho moment. So it was like the walls came down, and everything was okay. <laughs> but you know, I think I think that was it. You know, probably the two biggest challenges. Okay. In, in the workplace, what to you or what did you see as maybe the most re- rewarding aspect of living for God? Oh, my gosh. I mean, it, people coming to Christ. I mean, you know, or, or seeing that there was a power when, when we're with people who are really bright and, and very, you know, uh, skilled and they got themselves in a place they couldn't think their way out of or buy their way out of. I mean, they were coming and ask you to pray for them. Mm. You know, not necessarily. I would get little slips of paper. I remember I got a little slip of torn paper from one of our employees that just said my son attempted suicide last weekend. No one in the company knew that, but he was so you know he had one place that he felt he can go to, and that was this person who had said that you know he, he had faith in Christ and and that he believed it and and he had no other place to go and no other thing to do. So he asked, uh, you know, desperately for mm-hmm. someone to pray. So, I mean, those kind of things, you know, happen regularly. I mean, we regularly saw miracles in the lives of people. Mm-hmm. That sort of ties into the next question then. Is there one specific moment where you really saw God work mightily in that work situation where someone received an answer to prayer and where God was glorified? Oh, my gosh. There isn't one. 
I mean, there's dozens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I've had vice presidents of company uh, of a company just weep in my office, saying she just really wanted to have faith, mm-hmm. and you know, and, and just didn't have the faith that I had, and. And, you know, we talked to her about it, and she fi- ultimately, years later, she gave her life to Christ. When I was at Marvin Glass & Associates, there was a, a celebrity that we actually licensed to do a product with, mm-hmm. a very well-known personage, and um, was very much into transcendental meditation. Uh, that person developed a product idea that, that they wanted us to develop for them. And, and um, I was really uncomfortable with it because it was, a, it was a series of dials that had to do with, you know, uh, light and fire and the moon and sun. And, and from all intents and purposes, they were like little gods, little soft, cushy, little cute little gods, you know. And, mm-hmm. and it really offended me, and I didn't want anything to do with it. And I knew where this person was coming from because of the – you know, the background that Transcendental Meditation comes from. And um, I just wouldn't work on it. In fact, the Christians at the company would pray about it. And we would pray about it regularly. And it seemed the more we prayed, the better the idea got, the better the pricing was, the more buyers liked it. So it was, like, really frustrating. When I got to Toy Fair, they had this celebrity with lots of other celebrities, and they had a big gala splash, you know, in somebody's penthouse, and, and everybody was there, and it was a big deal, and everybody was excited about it. And then when it got to the toy for itself, the buyers panned on it. Hmm. And and I, you can call this coincidence if you want. I think it was God's hand, but that company went out of business. Hmm. The man who owned that company went in personal bankruptcy. And within a year, the company I was at had dissolved. Wow. Pretty so dramatic results there. <laughs> well, you know, in, in light of that, after leaving the toy industry, the workplace, uh, you enrolled in Moody Bible Graduate School, and you received your master's degree in biblical studies. And you also then were the senior pastor at Oak Community Church in Hensdale for several years. Was there a defining moment for you when you knew that God had called you to the ministry and out of the toy industry, so to speak. Could you tell us about that moment? Yeah, well, the, the moment of being called into ministry happened the moment I got saved. I saw no difference between serving in ministry in the, in the workplace, in the toy industry, and serving in ministry in the church as a, as a pastor. You know, God had shown me that my call was to paint living masterpieces of Jesus Christ on the hearts, souls, and minds of people. You know the heart where they treasure thing, the mind where they used to they, they use their thinking, and of course their soul, which was their character, and whatever venue God gave me was the right one. Now, my business went out of business. I mean, literally, God said, it's, "I have a ten-year cycle. It seems like every ten years." God says, I, Wayne, I think you need to trust me a little more. You've gotten a little complacent, so let me just shuffle everything around for you. And I have to lean into God, and it was one of those moments. It was really, really hard. I had to let go of staff. I had to make a decision to let them go while we still had money so we can give them money to carry them to their, to their next position. And then my wife came to me, and she said, you know, Wayne, you had always been involved in the church, you know, as a pastor, as a youth pastor, and you know, on, on, on a lay side of things, why don't you go back to, to study? Mm-hmm. And and it just felt like it was right in my heart. So I, I went there, and I don't know about you, but, you know, quite often when, when God speaks to my to me, it sounds a lot like my wife's voice. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, so I listened, and it was great. 
You know, I loved the experience back at school. I wasn't looking for a pastorate, and God brought me right into a pastorate. It, it was a church that needed, you know, change and revitalization and direction, and and um, you know, I didn't know what I was doing, but God did, and and it was it was great. Mm-hmm. Saw miracles again. Right, right. Now after leaving the pastorate, you have, are now the founder of Soul Priority. Right. Uh, can you tell us what the purpose of Soul Priority is? Yeah, you know, Soul Priority is really designed to inspire people to look at their career as a calling from God, to, 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 look, to look at their work past payday into eternity and, and realize that God has really waited for all eternity for me to show up on the scene, for me to be created, so he could partner with me to bring his plan for this, this planet into fruition, you know, mm-hmm. to be his expression of his son and of his, his promises to people around me. And, 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 and I want other people to have that experience. So that's what it's about. You mm-hmm. know, it's about inspiring people to look, look at their, their job as more than just paying, you know, the bills or taking care of family, which is really important, but it's really much more than that. Right. Now, here in the Chicago area, I've been to a couple of the sole priorities in Naperville. Right. Early in the morning on Tuesdays when we meet at one of the local hotels. Right. What's your long-range vision for sole priority? Well, my long-range vision would be a transformation in the entire world, <laughs> right. you know, but we'll settle with one person at a time. It seems the way God likes to do it. Um, I would love to see the workplace and commerce and business transformed. There was a book that came out not too long ago called Tipping Point, you know, and it just talked about how few people are really needed to change the culture of of a company or change the culture of an office. And and if you could have one company have their culture change and have that company impact the rest of their industry, you know, I think that we could really see tremendous transformation. I, I talk about transformation because a lot of people want to say change, mm-hmm. but change will and can and will change back. Transformation is going from one state to a totally different state that you can't go back, and that's what God does in us, and that's what I'd like to see happen in leadership because ultimately, you know, the leadership of countries, the leadership of local governments comes up through business. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if, if, if people aren't going to come to church to learn about that, let's take the church to the corporate world, and, and let's let's inform them about what God's paradigm, His model of of leadership, looks like. And transformation too is it reminds me or makes me think of change from the inside out. Right. You know, something actually from the outside is placed into us that is is foreign to us. It's it's something we didn't have, and it has to be done that way. Mm-hmm. Now you've written the book repurposing nine to five. Can right. You- can you give us some practical examples, uh, ways we can allow God to transform our career? Sure. Uh, you know, first of all, it's just to get out on God's balcony and take a look at work from where he viewed it, where he views it, and he created it. You know, and, and it's about worshiping him. That's number one. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever you do, do your work heartily for the Lord. Second thing is to look at and see that our work, that we've been created for work that he's actually planned out. And it's good work. And it's beneficial. That means that the things I do need to be thought of in terms of how can it benefit someone else. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, I look at it uh, in, that, in this view of work is, is God's provi- promise to provide for the entire world. And, and he's only done that himself a couple of handful of times with fishes and loaves and, you know, and things like that, the manna. And, you know. But other than that, he's used you and me. 
So to realize that he has us placed in his idea of the marketplace, his idea of commerce, so that we could bring resources and products and and services to people all over the world and realize that's God's plan and you're part of it. The second part is to look at shepherd leadership. It's a really important difference in, in leadership paradigm. You know, Jesus said there's three things that are important. One is the voice. Mm-hmm. You need to have a voice that people will listen to and they won't listen to another. So it's not what a voice sounds like, it's what it represents. Mm-hmm. So our voice, whether it's in the workplace or at home, needs to represent what Christ, who Christ is. And then, you know, we need to not be gatekeepers, but take the responsibility of being the gate. You know, actually embodying the, vo- the, the culture and the, and the, um, the, the values of, of an environment. And lastly, we talk about servant leadership, which is really important, but the, the shepherd leader was willing to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. He was willing to lay down his life, and we need to figure out how to do that every day and survive it. <laughs> so, I mean, those are some of the things that we look through. Voice is key. Voice is so key. I've had so many C-level business people come and say, oh, my goodness, Wayne, I thought my voice meant this. I went to work and just listened to how or watched how people responded to me, and, and my voice meant criticism. And I wonder what my voice means to my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder what it means to my wife. You know, and, and when I heard that, I realized that God's truth was really connecting in the deeper part of this person, and I, and I hear that often. Right. You know, it makes me think of my, my kids when they would leave the house to go to work. I always, always said to them, remember who you work for. Oh, meaning amen. you're working for the Lord Jesus right. Christ. You're working for God, and the benefit goes to the company that actually gives you your paycheck. Right. And uh, I think that's some really key, key thing, like you say, to you know live the Christ within in the, in the work environment. Yeah, in that respect too. You know, the, the the last thing that we talk about in in that book is what is your singular life priority, your sole priority. You know, and and all of us have things that are motivators in our life. And it's almost like a dog sled, you know, and and they're all pulling our life in a certain direction. Well, in reality, there's one that's leading all of them, Mm -hmm. you know, and it could be just about anything. But God wants to be that one. He wants to be the singular focus that we have, and he wants himself to be our priority as a person. He wants a relationship with us that's all in with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm -hmm. And then finally, he wants us to have a singular pursuit of his plan, his kingdom plan, his global plan, and his righteousness. And when we put those things at the tip of our life arrow, so to speak, in a direction, well then things that are that are, are, are in line with that get strengthened. Mm-hmm. And things that resist that, well, they either need to be in front of the arrow or they gotta go. Right. You know, so that helps. In closing, Wayne, yeah. what's on your heart today that you'd like to share with the listeners to encourage them in the things of God? God came to Moses in Exodus and said, listen, tell the people that in three days I'm going to be there. I'm going to meet the people. Mm-hmm. And he says, I want you to tell them to consecrate themselves. And so he told them, take a bath, clean your clothes, and remove all the garbage from the camp. That doesn't sound real spiritual, but what he was telling them is clean up your life. Mm-hmm. okay? And then get ready to meet me. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to meet God in my future every day. And everybody is going to meet God in his future. And God is holy and his future is holy. 
And so what I, what I would recommend everybody to do, no matter who you are, is to each day consecrate yourself to meet God. I mean, intentionally say, you know what? I'm going to have a meeting with Greg. I'm going to a radio station. God, I'm consecrating myself to meet you there. I know if I meet you there, something amazing is going to happen. God, I'm meeting with this young person in the morning. Please, Lord, I just I want to I want to be ready to meet you there. You know, I'm going to I'm going to go out to to shopping with my wife later on today. God, I, that's your future. You're there already. I want to consecrate myself to meet you. As we go, as I go shopping with my wife, Greg, I have to tell you, <laughs> that blows the doors off of of your life. It gives you an opportunity to be ready to meet God, and He does miracles. Now, I confess, I'll be the first one to confess that many days I say that in the morning and I forget it during the day. But many, many times at the end of the day, I remember I did that, and I look back, and God was there, and I saw things that were were remarkably different because I was ready to meet God, and he couldn't wait to work with me. Mm-hmm. Those God-divine appointments. And that's exactly what they are. Yeah. Now, if one of our listeners wanted to get a hold of you, maybe get uh, a copy of your book or, sure. or be a part of one of the sole priority uh, groups, what would be the best way for them to reach you? The best way to reach me is through uh, the website, which is soul-priority.org soul-priority.org. Uh, the contact information is there. The uh, location of groups is there. And the book currently is in the process of being published. So that's coming out soon. Great, great. Well, I'll put up on our website the link to your website so people can reach it. That would be great, Greg. I appreciate it. Thank you, Wayne, very much for joining us today. I yeah, really this appreciate is great. it. I enjoyed it very much, too. Blessings, oh, Greg. God bless you.
Thank you for joining us today on the Solution Radio Show, and thank you to Wayne Kuna from Soul Priority for sharing his heart and his life with us today. All of the Solution Radio Shows are archived at thesolutionradioshow.com, where you may re-listen at your convenience. There are also links to the websites of our guests, musicians, and sponsors. Also on the website, there is a page for upcoming events. We do have a couple events coming up here in the Aurora Naperville area. Uh, this upcoming Saturday, Saturday, February 20th, there's going to be a music night with Aaron Schaefer at Grace Christian Fellowship. And we'll have some info and the address and so forth on the website where you can view that. And I have the privilege of teaching three evenings on the book of Thessalonians and the awesome hope that we have with the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Those will be on Tuesday evenings, February 23rd, March 8th, and March 15th, and those also will take place at Grace Christian Fellowship in Naperville. If you'd like your event listed, you can send the information to info at thesolutionradioshow.com. A reminder that the praise line is open 24 hours a day where you may call in and give a testimony of God's working in your heart and life. The number is... 844-705-3410 Once again, that number, 844-705-3410 We will play some of those testimonies in upcoming shows. Please continue to keep in your prayers the expansion of the Solution Radio Show as we look to expand into other markets as well as for people to be able to listen to it through the internet replay. The Solution Radio Show is listener-supported, both by your prayers, which are vitally important. I really, really appreciate your prayers, and your financial giving as well. And all of the donations are tax-deductible. Thank you for your support. It's greatly appreciated. Our mailing address is The Solution Radio Show, P.O. Box 9002, Naperville, Illinois, 60567. Once again, that mailing address is P.O. Box 9002, Naperville, Illinois, 60567. There is also a donation link available on our website. Have an awesome rest of your day. God bless you. You are God's very best.